It's the home of all the lights. It's the home of all the glamour. It's the original night race. And finally, it feels so great to see Formula 1 back in Singapore for the Singapore Grand Prix. But it feels odd, right? Because this is, of course, the first street race since Jeddah that we had early in the year. And in the middle, Ferrari seemed to be blinded by all the light. So can it be kind of like a counter effect? Can they once again come under the lights and kind of see the world properly again? Can they be rejuvenated? Maybe attack and maybe win races? Well, that's exactly what we're going to answer over the course of the weekend. Not in this episode. Obviously, we can't tell right now, right? But there's so many other major questions to ask, which will be a part of this preview episode of the Singapore GP. But first, folks, I've got to introduce the podcast and myself. We are the Inside Line F1 podcast. My name is Somal Arora. I'm the host of The Driving Force on Disney Plus Hotstar. And the two hosts that I've got with me, or rather good friends, because hosts kind of makes it feel very, very formal. Firstly, we've got F1 Stats Kurusundaram here with us. And then, as always, the former marketing editor of the Force India F1 team, Kunal Shah, who's also an FIA-accredited Formula 1 journalist. But that's enough on us. That's, that's far too much on us, Kunal. I, I think we should focus more on the race and why it feels so amazing to have Singapore back again. Because... Yes, we may have a Jeddah, or we may have a Bahrain, or we may have an Abu Dhabi, but there's only one real night race, is there? There's only one real night race. This is also the original night race as we know it from Steve Slater's stories of how the Singapore Grand Prix actually came about, which was released earlier in the week. So if you guys actually haven't heard that, you all are welcome to go back one episode to know exactly how the Grand Prix came about. But I'm going to be a little more dramatic. You know, how, how imagine this is a documentary and it says, this is the last night race of 2022. You know, so it's like I'm, I'm sort of inflating all the expectations that, that come in there. Is it though? Abu Dhabi doesn't count, right? Or does it? Abu Dhabi is very interestingly in that twilight zone. You know, it starts off at dusk and then suddenly somebody decides to put the lights on. Singapore is, bu- guys, it's lights on, like come what may. And, you know, this is also like now it's officially the end of the European races. It's all the flyaway races since, you know, Formula One is based in Europe, etc. But the good thing about Singapore is like a soft landing. You know, the race is starting one hour earlier uh, because everybody's on the European time zone. And then suddenly you go to Japan and it's going to start like eight hours earlier. And we'll all be like parting through Saturday night, uh, not bothering to sleep because, hey, it's time for uh, the Japanese Grand Prix. But we should stick to the Singapore Grand Prix here. Indeed, we should. And Sundaram, coming into this weekend, there's just so much to watch for because it's a circuit where we've seen carnage all about. And, and, and safety cars just have been a perpetual presence over here every year. Yeah, and I think that's one of the most... Uh, spoken about points this weekend that the safety car has made a presence in every Singapore Grand Prix and it's it's been so frequent that I think that automatically automatically comes into the strategy or, uh, or or the plan of teams when they have to plan their pit stops so most it's very much likely that teams will go a little conservative early on with their tires and and uh, even in terms of fuel and then wait for the safety car to, to pop up and then go for a pit stop. So it's it's that very, very frequent. And one thing that really bothers me is that we have, I mean, I wouldn't say bothers me, but we do have a little bit of inexperience on the current grid when it comes to Singapore. We have four drivers who are driving in Singapore for the first time. It's, it's a very physically demanding circuit. So um, I think we might end up seeing a safety car once again this time. But well, the question is, courtesy of who? 
Because remember, the Let's first... Let's not speculate on that. Let's not speculate on that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to say it's the first and the last time that one of the modern Formula 1 greats is going to drive at Singapore. He's never done a race here before. Uh, you all know who it is. It's, it is the GOAT. But yeah, I, I, I'm willing to see how it's... How, how big of a test it's going to be for the barriers here, Kunal? Because they've absorbed a few crashes, some intentional, some unintentional. But this one is going to be a force to be reckoned with this time. Ouch, that is so wonderfully put. You know, the unintentional one is what we will hear about this weekend, at least one time. And people will make indirect references to it. I don't know if Flavio Briatori will be on the start grid, though, right? Because some of the races in Europe, he has been on the start grid. Yes, this race is in Asia, but like I said, it's on European time zone. So, hey, could he be on the on the start grid uh, uh, there itself? But talking of safety cards, yes, I think we're going to uh, anticipate. We should actually, instead of having the pole position contest on our social media handles, have how many times will a safety car make an appearance uh, You know, this weekend? And yes, it's the opening banter we are having on the Inside Line F1 car podcast before we sort of go serious. But you know, on the safety car, two important things that we should remember that the the pit uh, lane speed limit is only down to 60 kilometers per hour, which means that it's only that much longer to make a stop. And that's why a safety car or a virtual safety car will sort of uh, be waited for, you know, so, so that uh, Drivers can actually just pit once and go. And that's what we've seen. We've seen tire management happen several times. Even though the track has high degradation, teams try and pit just once. So will that come into play? Pirelli is saying, hey, it's a new track for us altogether because it's been relayed. The tires are the new tires. They literally have, you know, no data to bank upon. So lots of unpredictable variables or unknown variables going into play this weekend. I think we'll never have a Singapore Grand Prix without mentioning that crash when Nelson Piquet and Ju- Nelson Piquet Jr. and I think we'll never have an Abu Dhabi Grand Prix as well without mentioning 2021. Um, I was actually recently reading the Red Bull preview for the Singapore Grand Prix, and for some reason they thought it was important to mention the 2008 crash in a Red Bull preview because it was a Renault powered engine, a Renault powered car at that time. But it's very very funny, and I think we'll be keeping we'll be making a lot of references. To, to that incident and if Alonso deserved that win or not. Yeah, say what you want, but he actually proved himself in 2010. But w- what's funnier to me, and I think this is the last thing we should discuss before going on to the serious part of the race, is that Romain Grosjean actually came back in in 2009 as a replacement for Nelson Piquet midway through the year because Nelson said, I've had enough. Renault said, I've had enough of you. So they both parted ways. And Grosjean was driving that car. Remember, he was in GP2 at that time and still had done and still would go on to do a couple of more years of GP2. So, Singapore GP comes on in the free practice session. He's exploring the car and he spins around at the exact same corner when Nelson BK crashed in the exact same car. It's almost comedic. And, and of course, luckily, the Renault team principal was able to see the funny side of it. But let's hope we get to see more funnier things this weekend as well, apart from just the obvious. But we should actually get to that in a quick moment after we have a short message for you. Be right here. Indeed, folks, the best place to watch the Singapore Grand Prix, apart from the circuit itself, is on Paytm Insider with us. And we're going to have Steve Slater joining in along. And if you want to get a sneak peek of the kind of stories he had to share, and he has to share as well, just check out our last episode where he actually talked us through what happened when they actually took a Formula One car to the top of the Marina Bay Sands, the incredible hotel, right 
next to this Marina Bay circuit. It was amazing how they actually got a real life Ferrari race car on top of there. And these are the kind of stories that we're going to have on the show, along with dissecting the race as it comes. And there will be a lot of dissecting to do, Kunal, because this weekend we know for a fact that Max Verstappen could technically become a two-time Formula One world champion. Uh, are we just looking at the obvious now that, okay, it is going to happen now. He is going to finish first. Ferrari are going to find a way to do do, do stuff. Uh, let's put it that way. And it's going to be plain sailing. <laughs> what, what, what do you reckon? Well, I like the word sailing since that's my first sport of love. But, you know, the, the truth is whether it is Singapore or Japan, it's eventually going to happen. So, you know, it's it's like the, the situation is evolving so quickly in Max's favor that by the time we record this episode, discuss the permutations, it's probably going to change two days later. So the best thing is to follow social media, check out the permutations. It's a little more difficult in Singapore, but it'll definitely be easier in Japan. And the interesting thing for me is that Verstappen, if he wins uh, his next race and, and hence the, the title this year, he will actually match Fernando Alonso for total career wins in Formula One and then match Fernando Alonso for the total number of world championships won uh, in Formula One. I can see Sundaram is like, oh my God, it's happening. But that's where it is. But another very interesting stat that actually stood up for me when I was doing my bit of research was, you know, with Lance Stroll's retirement, I think it's Max Verstappen right now on the longest race finishing streak of all the drivers, his last retirement was in Australia and he has finished every race after that. So, you know, lots of uh, lots of Verstappen talk is going to happen, but my favorite Verstappen memory, and I know you saw, you said, Samuel, that banter's over, time for serious talk, but I'm only going to keep inserting banter while you and Sundaram have all the serious talk. I remember Verstappen's Godzilla moment. I would love to see one of those Godzilla lizards back on track. And, uh, you know, still, you know, sort of talking of buzzwords that we will hear this weekend is uh, how tight and twisty the Singapore Grand Prix circuit is. You know, and they'll say how it's a, it's a circuit with slow corners. And then somebody will say all 23 corners are actually very slow. Because, you know, we've gone from Monza, which had like probably all of nine corners on paper or or something, right, to 23 corners. And if, if we were to see the, the sort of the triple header that we've just come from, I think Spa had eight grid penalties, uh, you know, and I, I think Monza had nine grid penalties for power units. I would love to challenge any Formula One team and maybe Max Verstappen at this point saying, can you take a grid penalty and show once again that you can actually win even in the likes of Singapore starting lower down the order? And this is where I know Sundaram will always have a stat that Max has won from seven different grid slots in 2022 or in his career. And that's another record in itself. Yeah, I wouldn't like him to probably win from yet another grid position because then he's going to come close to Fernando Alonso's overall record because he's won from nine different positions. But yeah, on the topic of Verstappen winning, I think Red Bull would not be in a hurry to actually seal this uh, championship because 
if and obviously that it, it does seem a little difficult because it's riding on where Leclerc and Perez also finish but I think they would prefer to win it in Japan because that is the home race of their engine supplier now I know that it has Red Bull powertrains batched on it but underneath that is a Japanese Honda engine that's breathing so they were very keen on having the having the Japanese Grand Prix last year it didn't happen because of COVID unfortunately but I think they would prefer winning both titles in in Japan next week I'm going to tell you exactly why they may not prefer that. Okay, so Japan is at seven in the morning, Central Eastern, uh, uh, sorry, um, Central European summer time. Okay, that's actually the worst for Red Bull's base in Austria and more so for Netherlands and why play yeah. also broadcast in Netherlands. And just yesterday, I was on a call with the producer and he said, I really hope he wins in Singapore because from a broadcast timing perspective, Japan is too early in the morning for our subscribers. But either way, the win is going to happen and continuing with the banter. And, you know, you said there are four drivers who actually have never driven in Singapore. The one cur- the one turn that I'm really looking forward to is what we'll hear one more time, several times this weekend, is the Singapore sling as you know, they call it those, you know, the left, right, uh, it, it's it's left, right and left. And then we've seen we've seen Kimi Raikkonen crash there. We've seen Kamui Kobayashi. There was a force India. I think it was Adrian Suttle who went there. Formula One has put up actually uh, a small video on social media yesterday uh, talking of the Singapore sling. I would love to see what happens with the sling because over time, I think drivers got used to it. Uh, but when you're learning, uh, when you're sort of trying to push the limits, which is what at least these four drivers are going to do, I would love to see how that sort of happens as well. So that's another banter we will, uh, you know, that's another uh, buzzword we will hear, apart from, of course, the most obvious one. Oh, it's so hot and oh, it's so humid. And there will be references to how drivers have actually trained differently for the Singapore Grand Prix. I remember Carlos Sainz and George Russell had put a had put one of those bikes in in a sauna and were cycling just to get used to that sort of humidity. But yes, it is going to be a physically demanding race. Uh, it's in fact, in my words, it's the race which gives the best bang for the buck uh, for a Formula One driver. Because guys, when we pay for a race broadcast, we pay for a two-hour race broadcast. But you almost never have a two-hour race on merit, right? But Singapore goes goes extremely close to the two-hour mark. So this is like the best bang for our buck as fans. And and uh, so I'm looking forward to literally having two full hours of racing this Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I think that that, that buzzword of, of it being the physically de- uh, physically demanding circuit is is spot on because there's so many different characteristics of this circuit in general to keep in mind. So it's quite similar to Monaco, but more tight and twisty. Uh, but it's also a very busy race because drivers are going to be doing over 5,000 gear changes throughout the whole race. And usually it ends up close to the two-hour mark and it's very hot and humid. And, and add to it the factor of rain probably uh, happening this time as well. It's, it's going to be a true test of drivers' skill and concentration and probably the most challenging race weekend that drivers and teams have uh, this whole year. I know Sommel's trying to say something, but I'm just going to interject. And, you know, drivers have been calling the 2022 cars like go-karts, right? And a lot of people have said how Verstappen and Alonso drive such sophisticated machinery like go-karts is a big surprise for them. Singapore Grand Prix is actually driving those go-karts in an 
in a in an F1 sized go kart track. That's how I would see it. You know, with curbs also being a part of the equation. And you spoke of physically demanding. At this moment, it seems like Alexander Albon is going to race for Williams. But should he actually not end up feeling fit enough or not declared fit enough? And if Nick DeFries is in the in the Williams, the two things to keep in mind. First is Nick DeFries's arms have had only a couple of weeks to sort of come up to Singapore level of demands. And the second is we don't know how quick the Williams is going to be, but the chances are it's not going to be quick. So Nick DeFries would have been extremely happy that his debut was in Monza, which which sort of favored the Williams and not in Singapore, which at this moment on paper might not favor the Williams. Talk about poor Alex Albon, man. He just comes back into a Williams firstly after a surgery and, and at Singapore of all the places where the Williams won't be ideal. But I actually want to see this battle play out. How do Williams fare up against the likes of Aston Martin? Because generally at the top, it it seems plain sailing, but we have to talk about it, right? Ferrari, the, the potential and the possibility of a win over here, it may seem off, but we were seeing a few signs of pace maybe come back at Monza. Now, very much track-specific, you could, you could call it that way, but it'll be interesting to see what happens in qualifying as well because at street circuits, Leclerc has been a menace, but... Again, it could be one more chance for Ferrari to prove that they're not very good at strategies and not very good at holding up on their race pace. And that, that is what I am actually generally so keen to look out for on Sunday. But apart from Ferrari as well, we're all so curious about Mercedes because it's been three weeks and, of course, they weren't quite competitive in Monza that we've almost just forgotten the fact that they were pretty close at Sanford towards getting a win. And if you look at the calendar coming in all the way through, one might say, again, nothing's for certain, this could be an interesting place where Mercedes could be challenging for the win. Now, what, what do you reckon about this, Kunal? Because I'm sure Mercedes don't even know themselves what their best circuit is. But considering how things are going right now, considering the momentum being on their side, it would just make for a little more fun, right? Perhaps because if, as, if I can remember correctly, and, and I will refer to Sundaram's stat that he's just given me before this recording, no team apart from Ferrari, Red Bull or Mercedes has stood on the podium at Singapore in the hybrid era. So... For Mercedes, kind of familiarity? I know it's a very weak argument to kind of base a strong performance on. Well, you, you, you actually pulled up just the right kind of points because Mercedes have done well at high downforce circuits, especially since they brought all the upgrades and porpoising is no longer the question. Right? Like you remember Budapest, where I believe George Russell, I remember George Russell got pole, right? Uh, the question is Singapore, could the high downforce setup work in their favor? But this is where the outlier comes in, which is how bumpy is the nature of the circuit? Because the Mercedes car, as we know, doesn't like all those bumps. And it's because of those bumps, they have to raise the height of the car. And that sort of makes them lose their competitive advantage. But the Singapore Grand Prix has actually, the promoters have actually relayed a large part of the circuit. So could that have eliminated bumps? What has that done to grip levels? Nobody knows at the moment, but having a six-way battle for the race win for pole would be fantastic because the championship otherwise, we know, as we know, is sealed, right? And very interesting numbers here as well. George Russell actually now has the second most podiums in 2022 after Max Verstappen. And he's only, this is the, my best part of George Russell, okay? He may not be the favorite British driver. People probably love Lando Norris more than George Russell. I'm just assuming. But he's only, George Russell is only 
16 points away from driver who races car number 16, which is Charles Leclerc, in, in the driver's championship, despite not winning a race, right? And for those who are Lewis Hamilton fans, Lewis Hamilton actually has the lowest number of podium finishes among all the, the drivers racing for the top teams, which is basically the top six drivers. You know, on the point of George Russell, I really don't like revealing a lot of stats beforehand. But but since you did mention that, I think, uh, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, he's taken seven or eight podiums this year already. And I think he's very, very close to the record of the most podiums by a driver in a season without ever winning a race, which I think is 10 by Rubens Barrichello in uh, I, I can't really seem to remember, but he's very, very close to that at this point. And it's remarkable how Ferrari ha- have made so many errors that the likes of Mercedes, just by being there on a regular basis, are so close in the championship. And maybe that's the battle we should focus on, maybe. P2 and P3 in the title. And that's going to be very interesting. But I want to see how they follow on track specifically this weekend. Because I remember in the Singapore GPs of old, we used to have cars chasing each other. We used to see them come close. But... After 2017, it became hard to really make any overtake at all because the cars were so wide, the circuit was so narrow, that passes were a bit of an anomaly. And we can see this happen with this year's car as well, right? Because, of course, it's even longer, if I'm not mistaken. So things are going to be tricky. But let's hope that with these new generation of cars that have seen a great positive impact in terms of following, this Singapore GP could be perhaps the most active one since 2017. I, I would say so. And, you know, my mind actually goes back to qualifying because street circuits qualifying is always so much more epic to follow, you know, for all the reasons that we all know. And 2018, Lewis Hamilton's pole lap, he still describes that as his best pole lap ever. Right. And uh, qualifying is going to be crucial. Track position is crucial for all the reasons you just mentioned, Somal. And the the smallest qualifying margin or poll margin was uh 2000 and was it 17 i think or no was it 16 where it was 0.007 of uh of a second uh which is uh, i think hamilton beat rosberg to pole position there and then my favorite is when massa beat hamilton to pole in one of their years i think 2008 or maybe nine was it where it was, a six, uh, it was six tenths between them. So qualifying will be close. Uh, we've seen how close the midfield is in, in all of this. And Sunday will all be about strategy and tire management and waiting for a safety car when it comes, if it comes. And I believe that, you know, with so much unpredictability, we could probably see another team uh, on the podium apart from just the top three teams because we've sort of seen that, you know, when we have such bumper races and those unpredictable results, it could be fun. But turns to watch out for in order of importance for uh, overtaking are turns seven, turns one, and turns five. And yes, there are three DRS zones uh, around the circuit. So they're going to do all they can to basically get us as much on-track action to happen. And Singapore, again, there is no Formula 2, there's no Formula 3. I believe there is a W Series race, but there are fewer support races than otherwise. So track evolution will also be critical. So timing your laps and qualifying is going to be something else that uh, the teams and drivers will keep working on. Yep, true. And that's going to be an interesting point, actually. Especially the 
the fact that we've got so many DRS zones. I just want to see some moves happen, something, some action, right? Because the last few Singapore GPs, unfortunately, have been a bit dry on that side. There's been a lot of strategy chaos, let's put it that way. I mean, one race that comes to mind is 2019, where Sebastian Vettel, uh, one might say underhandedly, got the last win. And that was his last win, right? Yeah, I think the last win of his career so far. Oh, wait, last win of his career. Because there's a very, very low chance that he might end up winning with Aston Martin. But hey, for all we know, that that might be one thing to watch for Sundaram. Yes, indeed. So the last race that we had, the Italian Grand Prix, was the venue where Sebastian Vettel took his first win in Formula 1. And this weekend, it's the venue where he took his last win in Formula 1. So I think it's going to be a very emotional race weekend for him. But he generally tends to do very, very well in, in Singapore. And I genuinely hope, I genuinely hope that Vettel does well this in this race. He scores some points and I hope we get to celebrate the legend of Sebastian Vettel one more time. And there's no perfect, no no better track to do that than, than Singapore. He's he's won five times here and he's had some brilliant, uh, I would say, um, races over here. He's he's won, um, I, I think, the, the qualifying session in 2013 that really stands out for me when he he the, he did he did just one lap in, in Q3 and he went back to the pits because he had a six-tenth advantage and he was just watching how the rest of the qualifying pans out and he, he had taken pole with just one run. So, yeah. Yes, I am definitely going to be keeping an eye on Sebastian Vettel and how he fares this weekend. Yeah, I think I remember something similar with Rosberg and Hamilton as well. I think Rosberg for one of the years, I can't recall which one, and Hamilton also uh, in 2018, that's one I can remember. But apart from Vettel, there are other many drivers who need a great weekend. And the one that I really want to focus on is going to be Mick Schumacher because there's volatility in the driver market yet. We know that there's an open seat at Williams. We know that Alpha Tauri could potentially have one vacancy if Pierre Gasly goes out. Again, the driver market is up up in the air. Nobody knows how things are going to play out. Everybody knows, but we're just kind of waiting for the official announcements right at the end of the day. So Mick Schumacher, I actually want to see how he performs because I don't remember the last time that Haas actually had a great weekend. Do you, Kunal? It's, it's, it's been ages, right? Yeah, I think it was Austria when they had a really great weekend when Mick was in battle with uh, Lewis Hamilton and the weekend before that he was battling Max Verstappen and we were all celebrating and you know Mick's, Mick the way Mick has been perceived by Haas is a bit of a surprise because you know he's he's been fairly okay to good sometimes and yes it's taken him time to get started and all of that but he's not been half as bad as some of the drivers who've driven more races than him, who thankfully will stop racing towards the end of the season this year, right? But Mick Schumacher, yes, I would say Nicholas Latifi, it's, you know, he's 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 happy that Singapore is happening while he's actually still racing in Formula One. Japan next week also is going to be one of the first times he goes there. There is a battle for seventh place in the Constructors' Championship between Alfa Romeo and Alfa Tauri, and Alfa Romeo leads by one point, right? And one of the reasons why this has happened is because Valtteri Bottas has probably not scored since last he was a Mercedes driver, it seems like. You know, his his dream start to Alfa Romeo has turned into a nightmare. So I would say Valtteri Bottas for sure um, needs, uh, needs a good weekend. And, uh, you know, as always, I would say the Ferrari drivers uh, need a good weekend as well. I mean, Charles Leclerc has scored back-to-back podiums for the first time since the opening three races of 2022. And Carlos Sainz has been on the podium just once 
since he won his first race at Silverstone. But that is not my favorite Carlos Sainz stat yet. My favorite Carlos Sainz stat is the one that F1 Stats Guru has given us, is Carlos Sainz's recent four visits to Singapore have been with four different teams. 2017 was Toro Rosso, 2018 was Renault, 2019 was McLaren, and 2022 is with Ferrari. But this is actually a good time for F1 Stats Guru to do his stats preview for the upcoming race in Singapore. Yes, thanks Kunal. So yeah, let's let's do the stats preview. So since it is a street circuit, obviously a lot of emphasis lies on pole position and the pole sitter has won 8 of the 12 Singapore Grand Prix. But interestingly, the driver who started second uh, has never won in Singapore. So that's one thing I think we definitely need to keep an eye on. And no driver has taken back-to-back pole positions in Singapore. The last one, I mean, the last driver who was on pole was Charles Leclerc in 2019. Let's see if he can do that this time as well. But talking about Red Bull, they have not taken pole or won a race in Singapore in the hybrid era. And very funnily, Antonio Giovinazzi has led more laps around this venue than Max Verstappen. <laughs> and lastly, and I think the, the biggest milestone of this race, probably apart from Max Verstappen probably winning the title, would be Fernando Alonso is set to break Kimi Raikkonen's record for the most race starts in Formula 1 history. It could be his 350th race. I actually have a stat to add to this, which to me is the funniest one. Kevin Magnussen has had the fastest lap of the race for the last two Singapore Grand Prix. In a Haas, yes. So the Haas can actually be quick around here. I mean, uh, going purely by stats and forgetting the fact that there's been a massive uh, evolution in cars and the rules and so on since Formula One last raced here. That is something I want to see this time on. Will we see history repeat itself and Kevin Magnussen end up having a great weekend? But in terms of predictions, guys, what do you reckon happens this weekend? I obviously can't change with my Carlos signs for a win prediction. I'm just going to stick with it till the end of the year. And hopefully the odds do kind of favor me. Right now, it seems like one out of 18, that, that's the odds in my favor. But what, what about you guys? Who do you think takes the win? Uh, one from the heart, one from the mind. What, what do you reckon? Sundaram, we'll start with you. Uh, one from the mind, I think, would be Max Verstappen, solely based on how Red Bull and he uh, have been performing in, in terms of form. But in terms of heart... For some reason, my, my my heart goes towards Lewis Hamilton. Maybe I'd like to see him win one race this year. I think we will see Max Verstappen. <laughs> you know, he's in this momentum as our Red Bull, as is everything around him that's sort of driving up this momentum. And I think his fiercest challenge, and maybe this is my foolishness, okay, is going to come from Checo Perez because... Again, going purely by stats, Checo Perez has out-qualified Max Verstappen at all the proper street races this season. All right? Perez, as we know, has only gotten slower and slower than Max Verstappen as the Red Bull car has evolved more to Max's liking. It's lost more weight. It's become more pointy, etc., etc. All the technical talk uh, just right out there. But I think we also all will agree that Max Verstappen, uh, sorry, Checo Perez is in the need uh, or the desperate need for a damn good weekend. He needs to go on to become the Checo Perez that we all remember from the start of the season. I mean, you guys remember we were all like, 
wow, is he really dreaming of a world championship racing in Max Verstappen's Red Bull Racing team? And we know we know how that dream evolved. But for him to keep all the naysayers away, for him to... I don't think he needs to justify the 23 and 24 extension that, that's been made. But to keep all the press and the media critics and, and so on away, he needs to deliver a solid weekend. And, you know, if the stat of uh, having beaten... Uh, Max Verstappen at street races uh, works uh, for him, then why not? Yeah, essentially, just kind of keep us all from getting bored because nobody likes to see only a one-car team, right? And it's it's not really 100% lopsided, but you get the point. More rivalry, more fun. But let's hope we get exactly that over the course of this weekend. And if you want to join us for the race to understand just how an expert like Steve Sather watches the race, how he analyzes the data, how he looks at the on-track battles and shares some of the great stories of the past, and the present of Formula One, you can register by clicking on the link in the description by joining us on our live race watch along. So don't forget to do that. It begins 20 minutes before the race begins. And if the last couple of watch alongs are anything to go by, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So see you there, folks. Have a good weekend. Bye bye.